0: CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike F.M. Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown here on Mike FM Winnipeg. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, Ryan. Uh, And we're pleased to be joined by a very special guest here to kick off our show today. He was a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers from 2007 to 2013, is a three-time East Division All-Star, two-time CFL All-Star, has the fourth most catches and yards in Blue Bombers history, and this year was inducted into the Blue Bombers Hall of Fame. We're pleased to welcome Terrence Edwards to the show. Welcome to the show, Terrence.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me.
0: It's it's a real pleasure to have you uh, join us here today. Obviously, uh, Labor Day weekend just passed, uh, Banjo Bowl coming up this week, two big games. You played in a lot of those with the Bombers. Uh, We kind of want to talk to you, first of all, starting with uh, your first season in Winnipeg, because Uh, As we know, you started off kind of with Toronto and then Montreal in the CFL, but your real breakout season was that 2007 year with the Bombers. Take us through, I guess, your start here in Winnipeg, what that first season was like for you.
1: Uh, It was awesome. Um, I was actually just talking to Ed Tate the other day, and I was just like, that was, the 2007 season was one of the best seasons, uh, not just for me personally, just for the team, and just coming from Montreal and, and kind of being a cast off to coming to this group of guys was the best thing that could happen to me because that team with Kevin Glenn and Milt Siegel, uh, Derrick Armstrong, uh, Doug Brown, I mean, it was just a great group of guys to come off and, and they opened me with, uh, open arms.
2: Um, Terrace, what, t- what, what do t- you remember? Was there something about that bomber team and, uh, 2007, which was your first year in Winnipeg. Obviously, you guys finished one point back to the Toronto Argos uh, who finished first in the East. You wind up beating them uh, in the East Division Final uh, to make their way to the Grey Cup as a team. Unfortunately, coming up a little bit short in the Grey Cup uh, because unfortunately that was Ryan Dinwiddie's first ever CFL start because Kevin Glenn, the quarterback at the time, who now plays for the Riders, broke his arm in the East Final. But, um... That being said, Terrence, was there something about that 2011 team that was special?
0: 2007.
2: Oh, Sorry, I'll uh, we'll have to talk about 2011 later, but uh, was there something spe- special, Terrence, about that 2007
1: team? Uh, it was a lot of things special, just not on the field, off the field. It was just how tight that team uh, was. Uh, I've never been around a, a football team that really cared about the, the man next to him. Um, I was, like I was telling, uh, Ed uh, the other day, Ed Tate that as a receiving core, I think the receiver position is the most deeper position on the field. And we want our numbers. We want every catch that we, uh, can get. But that team and that receiver and our receiving core was so unselfish that we will allow other players on the team to get catches because we knew they haven't got uh, a ball thrown for them that day or they, they might about to be over a thousand yards, or we knew they needed a certain play to get a bonus. So we gave opportunities to other guys for uh, unselfish reasons. That was the biggest takeaway from that team was the guys who were just so unselfish, and we were there for a common goal, and that was try to win a great cup.
0: You, you mentioned that unity from that team. Uh, obviously, you got the chance to play uh, alongside Milt Siegel for a lot of your career, and uh, we're with him in the locker room. We see him obviously on TSN these days. What was it like playing with Milt and uh, being with him in the locker room? What was what was he like on the field in the locker room?
1: Uh, exactly what you see on TV right now. <laughs> that Milt has, Milt don't change. Uh, he hasn't changed. I mean, he, he's that energetic guy that's uh, that was in the locker room at the time. I mean, he, I mean, Milt was a guy that you could go to him and talk to him about anything on the field, off the field. He was really the the leader that. I learned and how to be a leader from I mean, He was there. He was teaching me a lot and I didn't even realize what he was doing uh, at the time. And I don't think he was doing anything uh, unusual. He was just there lending a the helping and hand and I got to watch him every day and uh, I became milk Steagle later in my career, just, <laughs> you know, helping guys like Clarence Denmark and, you know, congratulations to him from uh, becoming the eighth all time in, in Winnipeg Blue Ball in history. So, uh, he was a great guy to be around. I mean, he, he shot you the truth. He he didn't sugarcoat it, and he told you exactly what you needed to hear, not what you wanted to hear.
2: Obviously, Terrence, you you've been around a lot of great players uh, in your time with the Bombers, uh, and in the CFO, and, and, and football in general. Who did who kind of got you your introduction to the CFO? Because I mean, you know, the CFO is made of predominantly American players, so they have to have the the background, I guess, to come into the CFL from somewhere. Where was your introduction to the CFL?
1: Uh, before I got to the CFL, I really didn't know that much about it. I mean, I knew uh, it was in Canada. I knew it was a great game from doing my research, but I didn't know much about it. I uh, coming off of, uh, of, of injuries uh, in 2004 with the Atlanta Falcons, and my contract was up, and now it was kind of, time to explore what I wanted to do, and, and my agent uh, introduced me and let me you know that I had options uh, to go play in calendar. So uh, I took advantage of that, and uh, like you said earlier, uh, I went to a camp with Toronto. Uh, I, I, I thought I was having a good camp, and I hurt my ankle before the first preseason game, and uh, I didn't get to play. So after that, I got released. Uh, I came home to Georgia uh to Athens, Georgia where I went to school at, did rehab and uh that's where uh Jim Pop uh saw my highlight tape. Well when my brother Robert Elworth was playing in Montreal at the time. Uh he saw my highlight tape and I got signed midway through that season and then along in the uh two thousand six season and uh that's kinda of my introduction to the Canadian Football League.
0: Now, today, we see a lot of players joining the Bombers, uh, obviously coming from down south in the States, not really knowing what they're getting into with the Labor Day Classic in Regina and just how loud and how difficult it is to play there. Did you uh, what were your, Did you know what you were uh, walking into for your first Labor Day Classic in a Bomber uniform? And uh, what is it about playing in Regina that, that just seems so difficult?
1: Oh, no, I didn't know. Uh, you know, didn't grow up in in Canada, so didn't really know much about the CFL game. But uh, so most Americans who've never played in that game before uh, don't know what to expect going into that game. I You hear all week about the Labor Day Classic, so you kind of just hear about it, but you really can't get the full effect of that game until you touch down in Saskatchewan and you see all the people there from the both prairies and, then the game. The game is absolutely crazy. Uh, how loud it is in there! I've, you know, I've, I played in a lot of big stadiums in the uh, in the SEC, uh, playing against the University of Tennessee, with over a hundred thousand. And it sounds like that in, in, in Mosaic. I mean, it is loud. Those fans are, are get behind the routers and they they cheer loud for them. And that game, that that these two weekends is probably the two best weekends that I've ever had. Uh, in my football career, just playing, having that rivalry.
0: That was my next question uh, about the game coming up this weekend, the Banjo Bowl. I I think for a lot of fans, that's the game you circle on the calendar. You see it sold out almost every year. From the player perspective, what's it like playing in the Banjo Bowl? And is it it more amped up? Uh, Do you get more pumped up for that one than you uh, did for other home games? Uh,
1: I think so. I think so because – it's kind of unique because you play the teams back to back. So you get an opportunity to, like this week, uh, the bombers get an opportunity to revenge that game at home. So that's the uniqueness of that game as you play them back to back in uh, Saskatchewan first and you back in, in, in Winnipeg. So whoever loses that first game, get to get an opportunity to, uh, revenge the the loss. And it's, it's a great game, uh, especially playing it at home. Um, uh, I mean, that is the best game, besides the Grey Cup, that is the best game to play in the Canadian Football League, is in Winnipeg against Saskatchewan.
0: Terrence, uh, obviously seven years in a Bomber uniform, uh, and like we mentioned, uh, a bit of time in Toronto and Montreal beforehand. Do you have a favorite memory from your time in the CFL? If so, what is it?
1: Uh, Favorite memory... Uh, it, it, it has to be the, the two great cups that we went to in, in, uh, Winnipeg in 07 and 11. Uh, both great teams, totally two different teams. I think the 07 team was kind of led by older players and the, in the 2011 was kind of led, uh, by a lot of younger players, a lot of younger energetic, energetic players. So, but two different teams, but, we we had a common goal and came short in, in both games. Uh, had an opportunity to win, but just being able to um, at that time being one of the guys that the the team looked to to help make plays or look to to make a big play to help your team win. those two great experiences that I cherish for the rest of my life.
2: Obviously, Terrace, you mentioned the Grey Cups. I want to, if you don't mind, t- talk to you about two other uh, significant mile- milestones in Bomber history. But There's been multiple in your time with the Blue Bombers, but two of them stand out to me. Uh, number one happened in your first year in 2007. That was Milt Steedle uh, breaking the all-time touchdown record at home at the old stadium, at uh, Canada Stadium against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And then the, the next mm-hmm. one, the next one happened the next year at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. The the Steedle, Kevin Glenn Hail Mary. Uh those are two of the two of the plays that stand out for me. I was just wondering if you could kind of take this back to those two, those two kind of events and what you remember about them.
1: Well, actually, the, the Hail Mary was 2006, the year before I got okay. there, and the. Uh yeah, it was, it, was, it was the year before I got there. But I was in the Canadian Football League, and I can remember it. Uh, I mean, it, it just – you never – you know, that, that really tells you about about Milt is The game is never over until all four zeros is on the clock. And if you put the ball up in his area, man, he, he made the play. like, how's your unathletic old self can make these plays? And he made them. And – uh. Well, that was in 2006 but the one I actually witnessed on the field with him was when he broke the touchdown record in. and uh, I mean that was just a great experience for, for me as a young player learning a game and would get to witness uh, Milt Stegall break the all-time touchdown record and for a wide receiver to have the most touchdowns in a, in a Canadian football or any league is a tremendous honor and I mean, you think about it. They usually go to a running back. Emmitt Smith, I think, had the most in the NFL but for a receiver to have the most touchdown in his career that speaks to his great and longevity. And I can remember the play like it was yesterday. It was a we, we faked it to Charlie with Milk coming around and it was an option play off the end. And I think they gave Milk because Milk was ahead a of Kevin, they gave him a pass for that. That was, It was supposed to have been a run, but he, he, he got a pass and it was just a great experience for, for Milt and his family and to do it at home it was just a a big fun occasion for the whole city.
0: You played against your fair share of great defensive backs in the CFL. Was there any that uh, really got under your skin and uh, you you just hated playing against?
1: Uh, that really got up under my skin. Uh, I never said anyone got up under my skin but There's I can remember uh had to be in either 07 or 08 and you could go on YouTube and see this when they had the big hit. Uh, Tay Cody uh, caught me one time pretty well. We got into it in that game. He's talking, I'm talking and he got a pretty good lick on me. But one guy that just was a nuisance to everybody, that's Chip Cox and he was a guy that was played with him in Montreal so I already knew him personally for being teammates with him but he was just a guy that was always around the ball, always making a play. Like, how did he make that play? like, man, he, he was just a guy that, you know, he he was always in the right position to make a play, and you don't know how he did it. And he just gave, you know, always gave people fits. And I didn't go against him much, but just uh, playing to get another one, Byron Parker. Uh, Byron Parker was another guy that you just had the game plan for, sending out down on that, that wide field corner. And he was uh, he had ball skills like a receiver, and he would just pick passes off and take him to the house. And early back then, those Rich Subler defenses always gave a, a fits as a whole, not necessarily one guy, but his his whole defensive scheme gave guys fits in the uh, early 2000s. So uh, I think that defense as a whole, the Rick Stubler Toronto defense, mm-hmm. gave a lot of teams fits.
0: Have you uh, have you been following this Bombers team so far this year, Terrence? And uh, if so, what oh, are what are your thoughts on the team so far?
1: Ah, oh, man, what we're five and two seventy two going on a five game winning street? I, I catch all the games. Uh, I, I try to watch as much as I can I, and I stay in contact and it's only about two guys that that's on the team that's uh, left when I was there, that's Clarence Denmark and Jake Thomas. Right. Uh, I think it's the only two left. Oh, Ian Wild is still there, so that's three. Uh yeah, I don't think there's anyone else left from the 2000, my last year in 2013. So I keep in touch with with Clarence, and uh, uh, uh glad to see Coach Lapo back in Winnipeg, and uh, he's doing well with offense. Uh, I stay in touch with some at Buck Pierce, so he's still there. So uh, I, I say I, I watch them. I mean, I'm, I'm a Bomber, uh, I'm a Bomber for life, and I always hope that they do well and. I know this last game I, I only got to watch like the first quarter. And I know we got down early, <laughs> kind of came back a little bit, but uh, I, I and I expect that uh all guys come out this game and, and revenge this game and and uh, get back on the, on a winning track. But I've been very pleased with with their uh their play this year.
0: And finally, uh, now that you're no longer obviously on the football field here catching passes, I. If I understand correctly, you're on the sidelines now and you're coaching, correct? What uh, What is a retired Terrence Edwards up to these days?
1: Yes, I'm the uh, wide receiver coach at a, a private school here in Atlanta at, called Pace Academy, so I'm, out, uh, I'm doing that. Then I also own my own uh, wide receiver academy where I train middle school, high school, college, and professional wide receivers, helping them uh, get better at their craft. So I'm staying active in the game. I uh, can't play it anymore. Uh, but I'm here trying to uh, get the knowledge that I've I've experienced over the last 20 years of playing, and trying to now just trying to educate receivers on uh, how to get better and how to play this position uh, correctly. And it, it is going well.
0: That sounds wonderful. It's been a real pleasure having you here on the show with us. Uh, to wrap things up, uh, where can people find you on social media if they want to interact with you at all?
1: Uh, you can find me on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram, uh, on, uh, Twitter at, uh, Terrence J. Edwards or Terrence Edwards 82 on Twitter or on Instagram. You can follow my, uh, wide receiver academy page. That's TE underscore wide receiver underscore academy. And, uh, you can see all the things that I'm doing with, with the kids and who I'm doing it with. And, uh, and i definitely one more thing. I definitely I can't wait to get back. Uh, up into Winnipeg and in October 11th for the uh, the induction, and, I, and I'm super excited about that. I can't wait to see everyone back in Winnipeg on October 11th.
0: And we look forward to seeing you there here in Winnipeg. Actually, I uh,
2: finally uh, Tush, just before I let you go, I uh, just one quick one on the way out. What, what does the being in the Blue Bomber Hall of Fame mean to you?
1: Uh, it means a lot. I mean that that this franchise is a very great proud. Franchise and for me to be inducted into the Winnipeg Hall of Fame with the great players that came before me, it's a great honor. I mean, I think as an athlete, everybody loves to get recognized for your achievement on the field and off the field. I'm just, I mean, it's something exciting that my family um, is going to be able to experience with me. Uh, uh, You know, a lot of things happen for a reason why I left Montreal and God put me in a place that He wanted me to be. uh, And now, Look at me now. In October 11th, I'm going to be inducted into the Winnipeg Hall of, Hall of Fame with the likes of, of my good friend, Milt Siegel, who lives five minutes up the street from me. <laughs> we both just shared his moments. Both of to say two neighbors are in the, in the Winnipeg Hall of Fame.
0: And uh, I have to say it's a very well-deserved uh,
1: recognition being in that Hall of Fame.
0: Loved watching you play for those seven years here in Winnipeg. Thank you for all you did for the city of Winnipeg in your time here. Uh, and particularly, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show here
1: today. Oh no problem, thank you for having me and everyone in Winnipeg, go blue,
0: go bombers! You heard it from Terrence Edwards uh, joining us here on the Canadian Football Countdown. Um, wow, that was a great interview, Mike, was it not?
2: It, was, it it was, and you know what? Honestly,
0: like I have, I'm at a loss for words right now. Probably had a million more questions we could have asked Terrence Picked his brain. I mean, seven years here in Winnipeg. I'm sure there's a lot of stories he uh, he had he could have told. We only had him for uh, about 15, 20 minutes. So
2: um, I'll tell you what. I mean, I was. Uh, he mentioned the 2007 Great cup. I wanted to get into the 2011 Great chapters because that uh, that happened to be actually dead brown last game too. So he he was kind of in that that. I would throw Terrence into that group where him, Mel, Dud, you know, all those guys were kind of in my kid years of going to Bomber Games. Uh, always the, the influential leaders. Uh, you know, I mean, for me, like, I always had a respect for for Terrence Edwards and hearing him talk uh, in the last... Uh, 20 minutes. Uh, I can completely understand um the type of player that that Terrence is on and off the field, and why he was so well, so well respected not only in Winnipeg but across the CFL. So it's just great to talk to uh, a guy of Terrence Edwards' nature.
0: Yeah, a true Bomber legend, I would say.
2: Uh, and you know what? Uh, I mean, we we talked about. Uh, Good people that have never won a great cup. I mean, it's unfortunate. We couldn't get it in. You know, arguably, I think, you know, Ryder fans will want to. And I don't want to start up a fight with Ryder fans. But I'll tell you what. Ryan what he was pretty pretty darn close to getting the Bombers at great cup. Uh, in that 2007 game, uh, you know, if we would have had Kevin Lennon in uh, 2007, uh, Great Cup would probably would have won it, Ryder fans would uh, probably disagree, but you know, you know as, as he said, and I think he hit the nail right on the head. But it's happened for a reason, and I'll tell you what—he'll, the sense that I got from Terrence, he'll be a, just a bigger fan off the field as he will be
0: on the field playing. If and when the Bombers ever won a Great Cup, I, I can't sum it up any better than you just did. We're gonna take a moment here uh reset uh get talking about the games that happened this past weekend labor day weekend it's a big weekend in the cfl as people say the cfl season doesn't start till labor day well wow, the cfl a- season has now started we're going to talk about all this and more
2: are they pushing a red button in edmonton
0: we'll find out we'll talk about all this in just a moment in the meantime here's how you can find us on social media to interact with us on social media, follow us on Twitter at, at CFC on Mike FM. Mike can be found at, at Mike Garrel, and Ryan can be found at, at Cooper Trooper 42 as well. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CFC on Mike FM. Want to catch up on old episodes of the show? Find us on SoundCloud and iTunes under the Canadian Football Countdown. And if you'd rather watch the show than listen to the show each week, You can find us on YouTube as well with a video version of every week's episode under the Canadian Football Countdown. Whatever platform you're listening on, we'd love it if you would take a moment to like, comment, subscribe, or follow, and share to help us grow the show. Thank you very much for your support. Now, back to the show.
2: I'm still on cloud nine. Welcome back to uh, Canadian Football Countdown. We're back. Do we need to do anything else today?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, that was obviously the highlight of the show. Uh, The highlight
2: of the show, the highlight of the history of the show.
0: In case you missed it and are just joining us on the live airing of the show on Mike FM Winnipeg, uh, off the top of the show, we talked to Terrence Edwards uh, of the uh, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, obviously a member of the Hall of Fame for the Bombers now. Um show will be out uh, on iTunes, SoundCloud, all of that in the next day or two. So uh, if you missed that part, go check it out on there.
2: I, I just wanted to follow up on something Terrace said. They're running in the Hall of Fame October 11th, the Hall of Fame game, and they're the BC Lions October 14th.
0: I'll be in the stadium for that one.
2: So uh, Terrace and his family, of course, as you said, coming back to want to be gracious enough uh, to take some time uh, for us. We don't mind. Can we leave the bomber game for last?
0: No, I want to get it out of the way now.
2: Okay, okay. Um, Um,
0: Before we do that, Grey Cup Fit Up update. Yes. Um, Day 15 completed. About half an hour before we got on air here for the show. Went from a half an hour walk today. Did you walk here? I did not walk here. No, this is way too far of a walk for me. (laughs) Um, But 15 days in, going good. Uh, if I'm going 100 days like the Grey Cup Fit Up Challenge is, that's 85 to go. Um, I encourage you all to uh, join me on that journey. Get out, get half an hour of exercise a day, walk, get on a bike. It's as easy as that. Anyways, Mike, we can't delay it much longer. Another loss for the Bombers on Labor Day in Regina. Last year, they finally broke the streak. This year, it's back to the norm.
2: But why does it seem like it's gone very, 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 very bad here? What do you mean? I mean, I saw more negativity after that football game than people that actually remembered, but we're
0: still 7-3 and three at this point. Yeah, and it's because the hype of the Labor Day Classic and playing the Riders. You're on a five-game win streak. You're going in uh, Labor Day and Banjo two biggest games of the CFL season for these two football clubs. And after so many years of losing on Labor Day after last year, to finally have picked up the win, you thought maybe things are finally changing. And then the Bombers go out, coming in with a five-game winning streak, playing really good football so far this season. And in that first quarter, they just lay down and die. Basically, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, the Riders came out, steamrolled them on all three sides of the ball in that first quarter. Don't
2: even get me started about the. Fating of
0: injuries. Well, I'm going to rant about that in just a second. And it's not a rant you'll, you're really going to expect. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, but, you know, coming out early, the like the Bombers came into this one. The expectations were so high that it was a huge letdown. And it almost reminded you of the Labor Day Classics of the past decade or so, where even that one year where the Bombers were 7-2, and two, Riders were 2-7, and seven, this is a game they you think they should be able to win. Um, and then they come in and they, they they just flop around like a fish so i mean it was frustrating right i mean so i i, I get the i get the frustrations from bomber fans after seeing the way the team is i'm in at this the one.
2: cabin and I run down to the wi-fi and i don 't chat after the past, just did some reaction i'm stunned it's almost like the bomber fan the bomber nation fits but. The 7-3 and three record is fake.
0: I don't think the 7-3 I I don't think that's what this game was a case of, the disappointment. I don't think it was a disappointment, oh, this football team is terrible, right? No, no. It's a 7-2 record coming in and a disappointment in the biggest game on the schedule, arguably, for them. That's what I saw from this. Uh, and I think the disappointment was justified because... Well, you had that loss to Calgary earlier in the season, which was hands down the Bombers' worst game of the season. This topped it big time. This was uh, this was sloppy football throughout. Offensive- and
2: yet, they're two plays away from winning it,
0: as bad as they played. Technically, two Hail Mary plays, yeah. I mean, Denmark
2: or Adams, somebody dropped the ball in the end zone.
0: Right, that was Adams and then Fioli Godino, I believe. Yeah,
2: and then... On the six-yard line, three plays and they don't get in
0: on another drive. I mean, offensively in the uh, first, uh, especially in the first quarter of the game, Bombers really couldn't get anything going. I think we saw more two and outs almost in this football game alone from the Bombers often than we've seen in a handful of games this season. Rider's defense was giving them nothing. Um, Ed Ganey, just give him Defensive Player of the Year already, almost in my opinion, because this guy is incredible. Six interceptions in his last three games, um, including that game-sealing interception on Matt Nichols late. I mean, defensively, the Riders did everything right against the Bombers' offense. Offensively, uh, the Riders were rolling. Deron Carter, Naaman Roosevelt, Bakari Grant, Bombers had no match for them defensively. Uh, and, and here's the thing, right? The Bombers' defense, it's no secret. They give up a huge amount of yards. every week. Mm-hmm. No secret at all. The thing is, you don't notice it as much when they're forcing the turnovers and not giving up the points. This game, defense failed to force the turnovers, and instead the Riders got into the end zone and started scoring the points, and that's where you see that the defense struggled so bad. They gave up the yards like they always do, they just didn't force the turnovers, and instead gave up the points.
2: And they gave up a special teams touchdown.
0: Not a special team's the touch... Dempsey punt return. It wasn't a touchdown. It brought him to, like, the three-yard line. It was I, I, basically I call it a, a touchdown. touchdown but, um, Yeah, I guess, I mean, Riders dominated this game. Props to them. They played. Uh, they I, played I will
2: games. say this. I'm fully expecting the Bombers to win on
0: Saturday. Me too. And solely because of the nature of a home-and-home home series, right? I, I,
2: I will be stunned if the Bombers trap the bat again. All right. I don't think 33,000 fans are going to let that happen.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. Sum this game up. Bombers, I thought, played terribly for a large portion of the game. They've managed to get a couple uh, things going.
2: Late second quarter onward, wasn't
0: They They got a little better. I'll give them that, right? Uh, Riders, phenomenal. This is the third straight game. I've really seen great things from them. Oh,
2: boy. I'm so glad we're done with them after this week. Uh,
0: th- that team's on the rise, and the West keeps getting even more interesting. And then the thing everyone's talking about this week the ow, my arm, the ow, my <laughs> leg, the fake injuries, the so called fake injuries, the I cramps. would say, uh, the leg cramps. And basically, what we're talking about uh, if you've been living under a rock, um, which, no judgment if you have been. Uh, <laughs> living under a rock mm-hmm. but the bombers run the best high tempo hurry up offense they call it the cheat offense i've seen in my time as a football fan the riders may or may not have come up with a way to beat it this week and that was coincidentally you saw guys taking a knee going down with injuries on the field right air right when the bombers were trying to run their hurry up offense right Uh, and obviously an injury on the field, you can't go and run a play when a guy's down on the field, so it gives the riders time to prepare. That's the allegations from the Bomber fan standpoint, right? That's just
2: the fans, everybody. Everybody on the Bomber side.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, to be honest, when I was watching the football game, before I even read anything about it on Twitter, I kind of noticed the same things. kind of convenient, right? The same time...
2: How are you cramping up two and a half minutes into a football game?
0: I'm going to stop you right there because I'm actually going to defend the riders in this standpoint. Okay. Um, Well, yes, there is, I'm not going to go out and uh, push any allegations on. They were actually faking injuries because if someone is, you know, actually injured and everyone's saying they're faking it, well then I feel bad, right? For, because I've been injured many times in my life, even if you don't, even if you, they don't look like it, they could still be in a lot of pain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the same, and then at the same time, yes, if they are faking, it's unsportsmanlike. The,
2: the part that angers me and do these screenshots of guys that get attended to and they're laughing.
0: They could be laughing off pain. That's the thing, though. You <laughs> never know, right? You never know. I,
2: I know it's just like whatever. You know. I mean, I'm over it yeah. already. But so
0: this is this is what I wanted to say on that because there's been a lot of talk about oh this is unsportsmanlike from the riders oh this is cheating from the riders Mm -hmm. if there were faked injuries and i'm not pushing any allegations that there were then i agree it's unsportsmanlike but it's not cheating it is fully allowable in the cfl rule book you can go and read through the entire rule book uh and if you do let us know because wow that's impressive i wonder how long that thing is um and you probably won't find anything against it. There's no rule against doing it in the CFL. Every single team does it. I I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Every team has done something like this at some point where, oh, uh, we need a couple seconds more to plan something. Okay, someone's uh, someone's got a leg cramp now, right? Um. So I don't think it's fair to give allegations towards the Saskatchewan Rough Riders organization for this. Uh, for cheating in the sense because they didn't actually break a rule and to me this was genius from Chris Jones from from a coaching strategic standpoint this was strategic genius from Chris Jones as unsportsmanlike as it may be because no one so far this season had found a way to stop the bombers uh, hurry up offense and if it's fully allowable in the CFL rule book then of course why wouldn't Chris Jones take advantage of this it's exactly the way. Look at that Bombers uh, onside kick, right? Where uh, they had, was it Mike Miller line up right alongside yeah. the sideline in that game against BC? Mike O'Shea looks for loopholes in the rule book all the time. Chris Jones did this time. Unsportsmanlike? Possibly, potentially. I would say it is if this was the case. Against the rules? Not at all. I think that's the best way to I sum it up. I just
2: like. Yeah, and I, I get to this integrity of the game part of it. That that's the part that agitates me. But that's a topic for another day. Well, and,
0: and here's here's something I I kind of want to say as well, kind of on this topic because you know there were Bomber fans saying, "Oh, this is why Bombers lost the game because the Riders cheated like that," right? No, the Bombers freaking lost the game because they uh th- they they crapped the bed in the first quarter. And they got dominated on the field. A couple, you know, not being able to run a couple hurry up plays is not going to swing the momentum of this football game that much, I don't think. Uh, You see it from teams all around the league. Oh, the refs are biased against my team. Oh, and in the heat of the moment, as a CFL fan, you get like that, right? Terrible call against your team. The refs must have something out for you. We've seen conspiracy theories across the league. Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. You see it everywhere. Take those conspiracy theory reports, find the nearest shredding bin, and throw them in there. Because I can tell you, the refs don't give a darn uh, about which team comes out on top in a football game, right? Uh, If you talk to anyone in any fan base, you'll notice uh, people saying, oh, the refs have it against us, we lost this game due to the refs, right? The refs are not working in favor of any particular player, any particular team in this league. Uh, it bothers me, kind of, that I see that because if you everybody complains about it around the league, it can't be a single team being targeted.
2: <sighs> I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Can we just get the nuts Sunday, please? And then I think everything is magnified to the Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. 100%. We. Can- 100%. <laughs> we-, we can't stand to lose to the Riders. The Riders can't stand to lose to us. 100%. What's the dialogue going to be on Monday from Ryder fans should we beat them? Or Sunday? The Bombers this, the Bombers that, right? Trying to pitch every little thing apart.
0: And if the Bombers lose, do the same here in Winnipeg, right? It's the nature of the rivalry. I, it, It's a fierce rivalry. Uh, it was a heck of a football game by the Riders. Props to all the fans who made it loud there. Um... You know, and I kind of wanna—I kind of. Wanna, I'll tell
2: you what, Paul Appleis will get his money this week trying to figure out how to get wide receiver routes beyond seven yards.
0: Exactly, I kind of want to sum up because we have to move on and talk about other stuff here yet, and uh, like you, why bother?
2: We're forty minutes into
0: this thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of, you know, you hear stories all the time of oh, Game and Regina bomber fans. Like terrible coming into the stadium. <laughs> yeah, news about apparently <laughs> someone tried to rip off uh, Gainer's head, right? The uh, cover. Um, apparently Duron Carter is all upset that a Bomber fan spit on him. Uh, you hear Bomber fans saying, "Oh, but, but
2: if you're Duron Carter, and I'm not trying to defend the
0: Bomber fan in any way,
2: why are you walking so close to the sideline and putting yourself in that?" Well, he was celebrating in fight. the end
0: zone with the fans in the end zone, Mike.
2: I, I understand it, but. Don't put yourself in the line of fire. I would...
0: I, I, I don't agree with that statement. But, I, uh...
2: I mean, I don't condone what the Bomber fan did. No,
0: so here's, here's what I want to say to sum up. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers rivalry is a heck of a rivalry. You have bad eggs on either side. You, hear, you always hear the stories about the bad ones, right? Oh, treating, uh, you know. Yeah. Bomber fans travel to Regina. Saskatchewan fans travel to Winnipeg. And you always hear stories of people being mistreated coming into the other stadium. It, but that's a couple people. Both sides of these fan bases, great bomber fans, great rider fans. We interact with a lot of rider people on uh, social it's media. It's the
2: 2% of the stadium population. Exactly.
0: Lovely rider fans, great people in Saskatchewan, great people in Winnipeg that really make this rivalry fun unfortunately it's just a couple of bad eggs great broadcasters
2: on, on both sides but like to add fuel
0: exactly um let's move on but Let, let's move on
2: um, um i know we're not doing pitch till later but i fully expect the bombers to win. just thought i add that
0: sure um the the tie cats won a game mike yeah they did it Oh, huh, boy. Are we, uh, should we get out the party hats? Should we get out the balloons, the, the noisemakers here? Uh, I mean, the Cats won a game. Tell you this, I know why I live is
2: not a bomber anymore. Okay,
0: whoa. I mean, yes, he didn't make this kick. He and... missed
2: a couple field goals in that game.
0: I, I I don't think that's that's a fair statement though to say oh this game kind of shows why he's not a member of the bombers anymore. No,
2: but you can see why he's been. Because he's played great this year. He's he's been great, but in a big cat, a very mateable catch.
0: Yeah, I I I I don't agree with your statement there, uh, but I do agree with you. I mean, thirty-six yard kick to tie the game for the Argos late in this one, and it and it was one, frankly
2: wasn't close.
0: And it was one he had to make, and he obviously did not, and that's a huge letdown. Um, the play before, though, I believe it was the play before. The Argos at this point are down three, right? Mm-hmm. And Ricky Ray throws a ball out to the side to S.J. Green. Oh, my I goodness, forget and it, it
2: puts them over
0: 1,000 yards, that one? And I forget who it was. The Ticat defender jumps up, has the ball. He intercepts this. it's game over. And it goes straight through his hands. S.J. Green makes a ridiculous catch. Gets over 1,000 yards, and the Argos are still alive until Haralahu misses this kick, right? I swear, when S.J. Green caught that ball, I thought, this is the Ticats' season. They're going to lose this game now, right? Mm -hmm. This close? Inches close from catching that interception game (laughs) over? But the Argos are going to win in this game. And then Haralahu misses, and the Ticats, to their credit... It was a wild game, it was a weird game, it was a well, weird win, but the Ticats pulled out a win, and congratulations to We're not even getting them.
2: into the clock management part, where they almost lasted at the end. Because you didn't know how to run out the clock. <laughs> Did you find that
0: funny? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the Argos somehow almost still had time on the clock at the very end, which was a little weird. Well, uh, well they
2: took a 10-yard penalty, and the penalty didn't
0: serve the clock. You no, know who else doesn't have great clock management?
2: June Jones.
0: No, the weather in uh, Hamilton. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Two-hour lightning delay. That brought us back to that game in Winnipeg where it was like three hours. Uh, Ticats like their lightning delays. <laughs> that that certainly had an impact on Can the I game. Can I play
2: devil's advocate on the Ticats? Sure. Ten points in 30 seconds. Yes. The rest of the game, not much.
0: Right, you had the long touchdown pass to Brandon Banks who... His stats line, if you look at catches, yardage, he touchdown just... looks great, but how many times did he have the ball thrown to him, right? A couple drops again for Brandon Banks in this game. Again, he
2: had the most targets of anybody in a football game.
0: And uh, he gets that long connection, long touchdown pass. And then the next play, uh, kickoff return, Martise Jackson fumbles the ball, Cats take it to the end zone, and all of a sudden, boom, right? All of a sudden they're going in this game. Was that before or after the rain delay? Right after. Right after. So that's a great way to come back out. So I, yeah, I think that I think that lightning delay affected this game. Props to the Ty Cats for coming out fresh afterwards.
2: Any coincidence the home team thrived after the last two long lightning delays?
0: I don't know. Maybe?
2: Just coincidence.
0: I think it's just a coincidence, but uh Ty Cats have won a game. They play Ottawa this week, another key East Division matchup. If they want to climb back into this thing, Sunday
2: the middle game.
0: I uh yeah triple header this no Saturday. Yeah Saturday triple header. You said Sunday. Yeah oh nah. Yeah. then the crowd. I, I think I think the TyCats. I I don't want to get into my pick yet, but I mean this game while they did pull out a win, it wasn't really a convincing win on my part, right? Uh, they took advantage of an Argos team that was sluggish um that really i think that it's away. a win with the
2: dip basket
0: <laughs> yeah basically um and what but do i think this game's going to transpire into anything for them in terms of building a winning streak no but i still have to give it to them because they found a way to win yeah right and that's something they hadn't done in eight games so far this season and and after they... all the drama the past week in hamilton uh, to come out and get a win, I think that was huge for the team. They're
2: playing a well-rested Ottawa team, which has the best quarterback in the East Division. One would think. Number one in passing, number one in yards. Uh,
0: what did you think of Mazzoli? He was okay. Game? And only O okay. T. Okay, did what he needed to to get the, get he the game He managed the game, game had a very shaky
2: start with an interception in the first quarter.
0: Uh, Argo's side, is this... Uh... What does this loss mean for them? I really
2: don't know, that I thought we knew going into it. I had Toronto in the playoffs. Now?
0: Well, who's going to pass them?
2: I had between Montreal and Toronto, realistically, for the last playoff. But I think Ottawa finishes first. Yes. Again, it's Ricky Ray off a little bit. The Argos are on shaky ground.
0: I I think Toronto still finishes second. That gets us into the no, first I, game that I, happened this past week.
2: I agree with that, but a lot hinges hinged on Reti Ray. Reti Ray with average, would you say on Monday night? Mm-hmm. And the James Toronto one has been great. Hundred percent. Um. So, not to say that I blame Reti Ray, but
0: yeah. I think the Argos will bounce back. That's something they've done pretty well this season. After a loss, they bounce back. You, you look at that ha- game they lost to Montreal and then the next game after that they uh took you the You also have to add yard,
2: it to them, so. but it's just a situation of Hamilton going eight. Eventually they're gonna get off the schneid.
0: I uh in terms of that East Division though, like you you, you think that uh Ottawa's gonna finish first. I agree yeah. with you. And then you think that it's gonna be a battle between Toronto and Montreal? I don't I don't think so. And uh that gets us into the first game that happened this past week. Ottawa-Montreal, and we saw Montreal, I mean, that, that confirmed it for me. They've played great against the Bombers in those two games, but also two of their last three games against when, East Division opponents, when, I have not seen anything that gives me hope.
2: When Montreal desert writer Herb Sarkowski said the L O S might not win another game this year, that's a dire statement.
0: It, it was ugly. And it stems from not being no discipline. I mean, how many Red Blacks drives were extended by oh, what, penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty after? Penalty not penalty just after, that. just I cut mean, me they, off, Mike, because I can keep going.
2: The, the the defense is doing just about all it can, but they're not getting any help.
0: No, they're not. The offense can't get anything going. Darian Durant pulled this week for drew Willie uh well i'll tell you what i, I, I don't know what's happening i, I don't know what it's... this this week uh Montreal playing b c who do you start darian Durant or drew Willie durant why
2: you go with the known product you're fighting for a crossover at this point
0: i would i mean i'd agree with you i have more confidence in durant you you're
2: looking at this I looked at this matchup on Friday night. BC has the most to lose.
0: Durant, I would say, is uh, is the more safe bet for a bounce back game for me. Just and and maybe that's just because we saw Drew and what he was made of here in Winnipeg. And but in what did you Toronto. see
2: in that little snippet of the game there on Thursday? That tells you he's a better option than. These.
0: I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything that showed me Drew Willie was a better option. That's why I'm agreeing for with me, you.
2: For me, I don't even think this is a discussion the coaches had.
0: Maybe not. Um, I will tell you this. It's a good thing the Montreal Alouettes have a bright young future quarterback in Vernon Adams. Oh, wait. No, they traded him to the Riders. Um, yikes. Yikes. That's that, that was what I thought when watching this game from the Owls uh, on Thursday. There was no discipline. The offense couldn't get anything going. Uh, Ottawa's side of things, another win. Is that three in a row for the Red Blacks, I believe? Correct. Granted, mm-hmm. they were against uh, Hamilton, a BC team that was reeling, and the Alouettes, But Ottawa's now 4-6-1 and one on the season. I don't see any reason why they can't continue to rise. And they're starting to piece things together. This was their first real dominant football game we've seen from them this season.
2: I knew it was coming. It was just a matter of when.
0: I think we all did. It was uh, Even when they were losing those close games early on, we kept on saying, you know, the Red Blacks are going to get things together here yet, and they started to in this game, and we saw that a well-rounded effort from the Red Blacks. Their defense is starting to step up and play really well here. I think that was where there was some concern early on. Um, offensively, they've been gelling all season so far, and they're starting to piece things together. Play the Ty Cats this week. I I don't see any reason why Ottawa can't finish first in the division.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean the only thing that would really stop them is and I don't mean to take this lightly and throw the other teams in the East under the bus, but
0: a lot of competition. Mm. Overconfidence. Can you have overconfidence as a four six and one football team, Mike? I, I, I don't know if you can.
2: You're a 4-6-1 football team that deserves and has played better than your retro want. That talk... has gone toe-to-toe with the best team in the CFL twice. Come out on the losing end of bo- once and tied once. Ottawa's the best team right now in the CFL. East Division. To take down Calgary.
0: Ooh, that's interesting. Edmonton showed me they couldn't do it. The Riders? The way they're playing right now.
2: Ask me in a couple weeks. I still don't believe the I still don't believe the Riders are for
0: real. I do, hundred percent. I believe they're the real deal right now. I've seen three weeks in a row of them dominating football games. Their defense right now, Chris Jones, call him crazy. Call him, you know, out on all of his antics and everything <laughs> you've seen from him. Chris Jones knows how to build a defense, it's and just, that's something we saw in Edmonton. That's something we're seeing now in Saskatchewan.
2: It's just unbelievable, isn't it?
0: He's made his mark on this team.
2: Three weeks ago, you are ready to write them off because they can't play defense.
0: Well, they... No, no. They were... Well, they... They, they were playing decent defense.
2: Oh. Never really But it. it's really taken
0: off in the last three Yeah. weeks. Um, I want to... Stop that there, because we haven't talked Calgary-Edmonton. We're kind of running out of time here. Yeah, okay. Um, Not much to
2: discuss in this football game, other than the horses were running for
0: the horses. Calgary won, big time. We kind of expected that.
2: To this extent?
0: I'm not surprised. The way the Eskimos were reeling, I think that loss to Saskatchewan might have really shook them. And Calgary, I think, far and away, is the best team in the CFL, and we could see them, you know, finishing where they usually do at, like a 14-3-1 uh, record or something like that at the end of the season. But
2: the problem is, will we see them in the great cup?
0: Well, that's a question for later in the season. But I think this was a dominant effort by the Stampeders. Yet another great game from, I mean, give it to him now already, 2017 Special Teams Player of the Year, Mr. Roy Finch with his third return touchdown of the season. I don't. To me, there's no question he deserves that recognition at the end of the season because he's on fire. When you have a return guy like that, that your offense doesn't even need to go out on the field to put up points, your defense doesn't need to make a stop there to put up the points, that really turns a game for you. Um, the offense got back on track after a bit of a slow game the game before. Defense is playing great. Calgary Stampeders far and away best team in the CFL to me, and I don't uh I, I I don't like picking the same team twice in a uh in a home and home series, but I'm very inclined to pick the Stampeders again this week because they are such a good football team.
2: Edmonton will have lost four in a row if they lose this week.
0: So take me through the Eskimos. What does this loss mean for them?
2: I really don't know but they haven't looked good the last couple of weeks.
0: And it's scary. It's scary for the Eskimos. This is a team that started seven and zero. Now they've lost three straight. The Riders are on the loose. The Stampeders are playing great. The bombers are still up there. BC's reeled back a little bit. But the Eskimos are now looking from the uh beasts of the West Division to all of a sudden now they could finish anywhere here in the uh in the Yeah, they're looking up at the
2: sky going Teams above us.
0: Announced earlier today, huge acquisition for the Edmonton Eskimos. Darrell Walker coming back from the NFL, re-signed with Edmonton. Um, Obviously, we all remember what he did for the team last year. Darius Bowman. Jerry,
2: do they have enough footballs?
0: Darius Bowman's healthy now. Zylstra is back there and playing as great as ever. Uh, Stafford. You've you've got Darrell Walker. You've got Duke Williams. I mean, even before bringing in Walker, Bryant Mitchell was a scratch this week. That's how deep that offense is,
2: right? So you didn't tell me that Mitchell.
0: Well, we probably and
2: or Duke might be a
0: scratch. I to me, I mean, we're probably looking at a Mitchell or St- and Stafford being scratched. I would I would keep Duke Williams in there personally, but that that wide receiver group, best in the CFL to me. What were we saying? What in- were we saying that about BC? Just. Three, four weeks at all. True. Um, Best quarterback in the CFL. That offense, as guys start to come back for the Eskimos, I don't think this slide is going to continue. I think you're going to start to see them get back into playing some great football, and it's going to make things even more interesting in that Wild West division. We're going to get into picks in a second. I want to ask you, because the Lions were on a bye week this week, so we didn't have any game action from them, but they're back against the Alouettes this week. And Travis Louie gets the start. The it's Lions a, it, were on a bit of a slide coming into their week off. I have full confidence that they're going to turn this around now because I like what I've seen with Travis Louie as a starter.
2: I'll say this right now, that the must win for BC if they don't win. I don't know.
0: Like, teams are on a slide, teams are on a rise in the West Division, but I can't pick how things are going to end up. It's slipping and sliding every week. Well, oh, I, I I think I think Travis Lule brings an entire new thing to this Lions offense uh, so far this season. We've seen them be more dynamic with him. Jetting leading in
2: them. to pitch.
0: Yeah, that's the first game, so perfect. Uh, that's yeah. kind of the perfect segue. BC? Over Montreal? Well, Montreal, but
2: I wouldn't be surprised if Montreal wins, but what I've seen from Montreal... Didn't they pitch Hamilton last week?
0: Against Toronto? Yeah.
2: <laughs> the safe bet here is BC. Montreal has to play better, don't they?
0: Yes, but if you also look at the time difference, West Coast, Montreal's all the way out on the East. Um, I don't probably,
2: probably in BC right now.
0: So... I just think the Lions need to bounce back and I think the bye week's gonna help them out with that and I think Travis as a starter's gonna help them out with that. So
2: if they don't bounce back the way the riders have won.
0: Yeah, watch out. Um I will give the Alouettes credit. They're out of the East teams, they've probably played the best against the West Division so far this season, which yep. is interesting which should make it interesting. Um but I'm concerned with what I've seen from the Owls lately. Uh, I like Travis Louie a quarterback so I'm taking the BC Lions. We get into the triple header on banjo well starting off the banjo bowl on Saturday here in Winnipeg. will two
2: sessions over from you.
0: Yes, we'll both be at the game. Uh come say hi if you uh if you recognize us there. We'd uh we'd love to meet I'll you. I'll be hiding
2: in section 233 or 235.
0: I'll be walking around the concourse before the game so uh come find me. Um
2: What section are you in? two
0: something i don't know i don't remember off the top of my head don't worry about it
2: 230 i'm I'm in 235
0: um anyways yeah i'm taking the bombers because home and home series i i I take the i i don't believe the riders can sweep this series uh and i think it's going to be a bounce back game for the bombers it's going to be loud as tsn will remind us 50 million times during the broadcast with that uh with that noise meter, which was, frankly, took up too much of the screen, if I do say so myself. By
2: the way, if you're in Saskatchewan, quit crying about that. You've known about it for weeks, and now they're complaining, but they didn't know what the criteria was. It's a cool- Glenn shooter has been on radio for a month promoting that. It's
0: a cool gimmick. Uh, I just think it's over overdone, yep. right? I would almost rather just see the results. Anyways, I'm taking the Bombers for a bounce-back game. You are as well? or Riders. You're taking the Riders? Why? I just
2: I don't know. I want the Bombers to win. But I
0: just think this tsunami of green
2: is just too much.
0: Hamilton and Ottawa, in Ottawa. Um I'm taking the uh, Red Blacks. I don't think that well that win was great for the Tie Cats. I don't think it was enough for me to pick them this week. Uh and I like the way the Red Blacks are rolling. Lawn week for the Red Blacks. I take the Red Blacks. Calgary Edmonton, um in Edmonton this time. Will Darrell Walker be in the lineup? Yes. Um I I'm still I'm still taking the Stampeders Mike. I really like what I've seen from the Stampeders. <laughs> okay, I think I'm gonna be able to help you out with this.
2: Edmonton plays better than they did Labor Day, but still doesn't come out on
0: top. I agree with you on that one. That about sums it up. That's all we have for today's show. Um great interview with Terrence Edwards earlier on to kick it off. Uh, really thanks, huge thanks to him for joining us. We're back Monday. Yes, we're moving back to Mondays for our live shows. 8 p.m. Good night. From Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop. This has been the Canadian Football Countdown.